Hey there, and welcome to Yes, a Stripper Podcast. On this podcast, we'll discuss how classifying each other as people and workers is dangerous to society and marginalized groups of people. We'll also talk about the climate in and outside of the strip clubs and all of the amazing things that strippers do. And of course, we'll talk about all of the things in between. I'm your queen, A.M. Davies, and this is Yes, a Stripper Podcast. Hi, everyone. Welcome back to another episode of Yes, a Stripper Podcast. I've been really curious lately to know how all of you are doing out there and how you think your friends are doing as well. Um, One of the things that I'm starting to notice about doing these podcasts is how many amazing strippers there are in my peripheral um, and that I, but that I didn't really necessarily notice. And so something that I'm sort of wanting to get into doing this podcast is asking some of my guests, who do you think we should be talking to? Who is up to big things out there? Who is up to amazing things out there that just don't have the platform or the voice? Um, And so what I'm saying is I'm looking for suggestions from you. Do you think you should be on the show? Do you think, is there a stripper that you know of that you're just like, why is nobody paying attention to this person? We must elevate this voice. Then we definitely want to hear about those people because um, I noticed that even though my network is so large, there's still really awesome, important people that I'm missing out on. And um, one of our guests today is actually a stripper who is very good and old friends with two of my very good old friends. And I didn't even really know about this stripper until very recently. And not for any particular reason, just because they weren't brought to my attention. So, and I've started to notice that with other strippers, we have future guests coming up um, that I'm like, how did I not know about this wonderful person? So I say all of that to say, let's talk about amazing people together and share amazing people together so that we can continue to elevate voices in this community. It's so important to me. Um, So I'm so excited to welcome to this podcast today, Andre Shakti. Thank you so much for joining me today. How are you? I am so excited to be here today. And I also really enjoyed your unconscious use of fisting hands when you were like, I want people to talk to me. And I'm like, ooh, that feels like very homey Italian to me, but also these are little nice little fisting fists. So I was like, oh, we're off to a great start. Yeah. <laughs> oh, awesome. Well, maybe um, Caroline Blake, one of our previous guests and one of your old friends and my yep. roommate, maybe her ASL like rubs off on me. Yeah. Can you believe that? She lives in my house with me. I had no idea. Oh my goodness. All these things are coming together. I was just talking to Caroline a few months ago about your surgery, not knowing who you were and that she lived with you. I also went to school for deaf studies and thought I was going to be an ASL interpreter. Um, but I actually dropped out the last year of the program and Caroline went on to um, queer uh, ASL infamy. So oh, yeah, this wow. is so wild. This is so wild. Yeah. And for those of you listening, just to, just to make sure you fully understand, Caroline Blake was a previous guest on Yes, a Stripper podcast. I believe the name of that episode is um, A Stripper Making Waves in the Deaf Community. So um, to learn more about the backstory of that, you can check out that episode. So um, crazy. I kind of feel like I know you, you know? Yeah. <laughs> Amazing. <sighs> 
Yeah. Um, so I also, I just, I want to kind of talk about your shirt that you're wearing. So um, <laughs> yeah, you're wearing a shirt that says stay at home Dom. Um, I am. You yeah. tell us about like the backstory of that shirt. Totally. I also <laughs> want to call out that I did not wear this intentionally because truly, as you can uh, reinforce, I did not know we were doing a video call right, today. Right. So this was just like my, we're going to have a nice audio call and I'm going to wear my favorite shirt, which happens to be one that I created. Um, yeah. I create a few different lines of sex worker positive clothing with slogans like sex work is God's work. Uh, sex work does not equal trafficking. Um, someone I love is a sex worker. Uh, and stay at home dumb because I am also a full-time dominatrix and I have a dungeon that I operate out of my house. So mm -hmm. once I built my dungeon last year, I was like, wait a minute, now I can truly be a stay at home dom. And with COVID, it just became even more <laughs> relevant. Yeah, so, of course. Yeah, this is one of the tank tops, t-shirts, sweatshirts, crop studies, all that good stuff that I put out when mm -hmm. I have the time. <laughs> Amazing. Yeah. yeah. Um, Okay, but that's just, now I have a million questions. Um, <laughs> you have an at-home dungeon. I do. do. You, are you comfortable talking about that? Oh, absolutely. Yeah, okay. I'm, I'm very, very comfortable. Sex work is probably the thing that I'm most comfortable talking okay, about great. in my life. So let's do it. Yeah, so like, what's, what do you, is the dungeon <laughs> to have clients in it? Is it just for fun? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So I, um, not only have I been stripping for 12 years, uh, as of this year, but I also have been, um, I work in porn. LA used to be my stopping ground as well. For those reasons, uh, I worked in porn for seven years, mostly kink BDSM fetish. And I also have been a professional dominatrix for about nine. And my dream was to, the reason I left California was because I needed to buy a house and I can't buy a property in California yeah. as anyone who lives there <laughs> understands. Yeah. Um, so I wanted a space where I could have like my own pool room and my own, um, my own dungeon so I can see my clients because a lot of those, uh, professional spaces will charge rent, you know, just like renting a stage, um, will charge rent, uh, 50 yeah. to hundred dollars an hour. And, you know, I would much rather have a space that I don't have to drive back and forth from and okay. hemorrhage money off of. Right. And so, yeah, I mean, I, I definitely use it for private play, you know, personal okay. play. I'm a very kinky person. And then, uh, yes, I advertise as a dominatrix and I see clients there. Although obviously that whole thing has also been very, made very complicated by COVID. So literally, <laughs> yeah. And, um, do you feel comfortable having clients come to your home address? I ask because I have a house with poles downstairs and, and, you know, there have been discussions of like, should we, shouldn't we do this like very private thing, but it's like, mm -hmm. do we, do we want our address to be given to people? And then it's like, well, we have to choose wisely. And so that's why I'm asking. Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. So I, um, I, again, I've been doing this for a really long time. And in my experience, like, even though I have worked in pretty much every niche of the sex industry, so whether it is selling dirty panties or full service escorting work, like I've been there, I've done that. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, unfortunately in the sex worker hierarchy that we built into our industry, um, Full service workers are on the bottom of that hierarchy yeah. and they're often targeted both by law enforcement as well as, you know, targeted by individuals who know that if they inflict violence on them, um, that there's likely to be zero repercussions because right. of the stigma and the 
illegality of the work, right? Mm-hmm. As a dominatrix, um, number one, I have a lot of privilege. Um, I'm a white, you know, cisgender, thin woman. Um, I'm able-bodied. Uh, I'm pretty neurotypical. So because of that, I'm often not made the target of people who want to like victimize sex workers. Um, and then there's also something about being a dominatrix where from the moment somebody contacts you, the dynamic they're looking for is made very apparent. And that is one where they are in a subservient space to me. Um, and because of that, I honestly, I mean, knock on the closest wood next to me, but I honestly have never had a sketchy experience with a client ever in the nine years that I have been practicing. And I think the sketchiest I would say would be somebody is really nervous about their first time and shows up like way too high or way too drunk. And I have to be like, okay, honey, like we can't play like this, you know? (laughs) Yeah. But, um, you know, I just had some really tight negotiations with the folks that I live with. um, And I also have a lot of safety and security practices in terms of screening potential clients and what information I require from them before we see each other. So yeah, they have my address, but I usually also have like their LinkedIn profile or their um, ID, like, you know, and so to verify their identity, make sure they're not law enforcement, all of that good stuff. So yeah, yeah, Yeah. it's actually, it feels pretty safe. It feels pretty safe to me, but I always encourage sex workers to do, you know, whatever makes them feel safe. And this might not be that for them. Yeah. And I hate that I have to even pose that question because it's not because I find, obviously, I don't find the sex work the dangerous part. It's just, it's like people that are uneducated around how to treat women and sex workers Mm -hmm. in general that I'm concerned about, you know, it's the lack of education that they have. Um, Absolutely. Yeah. So, Wow, that's that's really amazing though. I bet it's really <laughs> sexy down there. It is really sexy. Yeah. And also like full disclosure, I um I am kind of leaving like a unfortunately, I'm completely fine and safe, but I'm leaving a a, a DV situation right now and I'm actually under contract to buy a new house and it will be the first house I purchased on my own. So like some shaky things are happening. We're supposed to close on August 10th, like cross your fingers for me. Yeah. Um, but I'm not, I'm not looking forward to having to like move these spaces that I've created and then like totally. start over from scratch. Right. So like yeah. I'm getting ready to say, good, say goodbye to them temporarily. Okay. Um, and that makes me a little sad. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Let us know when you got that dungeon up and running again. I'd love to see, I'd just love to see something like that. I've never, I know that there are dungeons, but I guess I've never considered having one at home. Why not? Why not at home? Yeah. Yeah, That makes so much sense. Also Um, to be clear, like my family isn't in my life and I don't have kids. So again, it's not like folks are coming into my house expecting me to have anything honestly, but a dungeon and a pole in my house. So I'm lucky in that regard. Right. Right. Um, you also do wrestling porn. I do. (laughs) I just learned that that is a thing today. Can you help us learn? (laughs) (laughs) What is that? What is that? Yeah, I mean, I understand it, but, um, yeah, I just have never heard of it. And I saw a photo and it looked pretty interesting and I'm just very (laughs) curious about it. I'm sure others would be. 
Yeah. yeah. So um, when I was about 20, you know, when you enter the sex industry, this thing happens where if you're in it for long enough, you all of a sudden, you know, keep meeting new people and they keep kind of offering you new opportunities and new experiences and like yeah. to branch out into different areas of the industry. Right. So that was happening to me about two years into me dancing here in Baltimore while I was uh, in undergrad. And, um, <laughs> I've always been very fitness motivated. Um, I've been like a lifelong rock climber. Um, I like lift weights. I am like 500 hour yoga certified. And, uh, and so I'm very fit and I like it. I like moving my body, I like sweating and all that stuff. And I like, you know, when it comes to sex, I like rough housing and stuff like that. And so one of my friends was like, Hey, you know, there's this, there's this like website and they shoot this fetish content and it's called cat fighting. Um, and they shoot out of DC and I think you would be great for it. And I literally like answered like a Craigslist ad. It was super sketch <laughs> and showed up at this boxing gym in Baltimore and, um, they would pay us $400 each and whoever won and would get an extra 200. And it was basically female fight club. Um, and like, they didn't give us any instruction, any safety tips. I had at the time, no formal like martial arts experience. And it was literally just letting girls go at each other. And it was wild um and I did that for a while before uh basically somebody else was like hey you know there's like a more legitimate way to do this there's this website called king.com out in California they shoot this website called ultimate surrender you basically um and I'm a big old queer mo for anybody who is curious but uh they basically shoot women wrestling each other and then like the loser gets fucked with the strap on and I'm like well that sounds amazing I literally never considered porn before in my <laughs> life but I was cool. like, that sounds great so now I'm like 22 like flying out to San Francisco back and forth to shoot for this website ultimate surrender and then there are like a few other websites in that niche kind of fetish market and that's actually also what makes up a big part of my domination clientele is this subset genre called fetish wrestling where guys just pay me lumps of money to wrestle them topless or in a bikini and make them submit and uh at this point I have six and a half years of Brazilian jiu-jitsu experience under my belt I finally decided if I'm gonna do this I should like train and so I don't get like you know disastrously injured or something yeah because <laughs> it's not like we have health insurance um so uh so yeah that's that's a, a big hold subset on, of what on, I do on. and oh did you learn jujitsu to be better <laughs> at wrestling porn yes okay yes okay. so when yes so when I hit ultimate surrender those girls were like crazy talented um the women yeah. who were running the website were all like bodybuilders and like martial artists and like black belts and like BJJ and Taekwondo and they actually did a really good job of like even if the girls had like no wrestling experience but they wanted to do this website they would like have them in an hour early and they'd be like showing them positions and they'd be like you know giving them safety information and for that like I want to I credit them um although if anyone's familiar with Kane.com and all the crazy ass like electrocuting people and hanging people from the rafters like uh websites they have ultimate surrender was the website that ended up having the most injuries consistently mm. um on like a year-to-year -year basis because you know it's real a lot of people look at it they think it's fake it's staged it's choreographed it's real and <laughs> we don't get workmen's comp so um so yeah i think they eventually changed a lot about it we used to have like six hour shoots where we would be wrestling for like five hours in like just yeah just just insane i mean we got paid well for it but just stuff the human body should not should not be doing <laughs> wow. 
I had no idea this was a thing. Um, And I'm just like, just so in awe of it. Like, it's incredible. The things that people love and turn into something just so interesting, you know? Yeah. Yeah. My One of my favorite things to ask new clients, especially with wrestling, is like, where did this come from, right? Like, how did this fetish start? Because I'm a sex educator as well. I'm always going to like approach shit from like an educational standpoint. And it just, it gets me like excited to learn like what people's roots are basically like for their kinks. And so, you know, a wrestling guy once told me like, I was six years old and I had a babysitter and we were fighting over the remote control and to like keep the remote control away from me. She like put me like in like a scissor between her legs and was holding me there while like dangling the remote control. He was like, and that was the moment that I developed this fetish. And I was like, ah, it's so cool. Like, wow. So crazy. Wow. That is so interesting and awesome. Mm-hmm. I just love that. Thank you so much for sharing that. I'm so stoked that I stalked your Instagram account. Um, (laughs) Yeah. So speaking of you being a sex educator, um, which totally made my head go ding, 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 ding. Um, Because we need so many more. We need sex educators. So, so important. You did, um, you did something. Well, first of all, you have a podcast, correct? I have an advice column. An advice. Um, an advice column. And then I do a, um, we just went on hiatus for the month of August because I'm moving and everything's going crazy. But I also have a uh, Facebook, um, I just said FaceTime, Facebook live series called Let's Go Live with Andre Shockey. That's where I go on. Yep. I go on Facebook live um, like every Tuesday and Sunday night and talk about a different uh, sexuality, intimacy, sexual safety related topic. And we don't record them um, or anything like that. But I like using Facebook live because A, I'm like, super committed to making Facebook sexy again and B because it's really accessible. Like people don't have to go buy like Eventbrite tickets or like right. download a new app or something. Most people have a Facebook page. Yeah. Um, so, and they can just hop on, you know, whenever. And I do sliding scale so that everybody can participate wherever they're at financially. And, uh, and yeah, so I've been trying to, trying to keep myself very busy, particularly during this, you know, coronavirus time, right. like all of our traditional avenues of income are being compromised significantly, you know? Yeah. So you yeah. did, you did, you spoke about, or you had a topic about, um, prep. I did. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. And, um, that's something that, I remember seeing the ads come out for it and I just, I didn't know enough about it. And, um, and then I had mixed feelings about something I didn't know enough about. Um, and I still mm-hmm. don't know enough about it. And so I thought that was really interesting, um, that you were talking about it. And I was wondering if you could give us a little taste of what you talked about in regards to prep and what prep Totally. Is. Yeah. So, um, I teach a lot about like risk assessment and harm reduction, um, especially as it pertains to HIV transmission. And so I do a class called, uh, you know, all about prep and PEP and those acronyms, uh, stand for prep is pre exposure prophylaxis. And it's otherwise known by its generic, uh, name Truvada. Um, it's a, a medication put out by the company Gilead, which is different from the handmaid's tale. Um, and, 
It is a daily medication um, that prevents the transmission of HIV and it is um, 99.6% effective, I believe, although please don't quote me on that. It's very, very high. And, um, you know, but it has to be taken daily and uh, a lot of folks have a lot of misconceptions about it. They feel as though, oh, I'll take PrEP and I'll be immediately protected from all STDs. And it's like, well, no, you still have to use, you know, you have to do like a risk assessment on yourself, determine, you know, depending on how often I'm having sex, what kinds of sex I'm having and who I'm having it with, um, how much risk am I putting myself at for other STDs like syphilis, chlamydia, um, gonorrhea, et cetera, right? Mm -hmm. And so making sure folks know that this is great for HIV, but HIV only, and you should be using other practices in your life. Also about who gets to take PrEP. Um, It has very much been, uh, you know, when we think of HIV AIDS, I think still like culturally, especially in the queer community, we immediately think of like men who have sex with men, when in fact, it's actually African-American women who are at the highest rate of um, contracting HIV in our country. And um, people of all genders, um, you know, could be at risk uh, of HIV, depending on, again, who they fuck and how they fuck. And so kind of, making it feel accessible to people regardless of whether they're transgender, whether they're trans feminine, trans masculine, whether they're cisgender, whatever their gender that like prep is for them. Like it's not not for anybody. Um, and then also tips and tricks on like where to get it because depending on where you live um, in our country, uh, it's either, for example, in California, extremely accessible and covered completely by state funded health insurance um, or out here in Maryland, <laughs> um, it can be extremely expensive if you don't have an insurance plan that covers it. And so um, giving people resources for how they can like uh, get grants or funding that they can apply towards um, their healthcare uh, and also, you know, where to find like clinics and especially those that are going to be accepting of LGBTQ people, especially since our president just rolled back healthcare protections for transgender individuals in our country, which adds an extra layer of complication. Um, And then PEP is the opposite. It's post-exposure prophylaxis. So that is what you go to, for example, an emergency like an ER for um, if you think you have been exposed to HIV, either through consensual sex or non. And um, that is a pill kind of like plan B for pregnancy that needs to be taken within, I think, 72 hours of infection. And um, that will also prevent you from contracting HIV if you were actually at risk. But again, accessibility is now depending heavily on, you know, what legislation is getting passed in our country. So, woo, um, I do a lot of stuff about this. (laughs) You have so much information in your brain. I do. I have a lot going on up here. I'm like, I have a little bit of um, a touch. I just started uh, trying out medication for uh, ADV. So my brain is just constantly, I don't have the hyperactivity, but my brain is just constantly, it feels like it's full and it's just like leaking out. And like, I have no short-term memory anymore. It's chock full in there. (laughs) A lot of it's useless though. A lot of it's useless. It's not all, it's not all useful knowledge. Well, yeah, like I'm pretty sure that memorizing all nine seasons of The Office is also useless <laughs> and that I have in my head. Yeah. Grey's Anatomy for me. But okay. <laughs> um, but you are just so full of energy and life. You're just brimming with life. It's incredible to watch, to look at, to see. Yeah. It's like, I'm wow. very fortunate that I get to do what I love. I've been doing what I love for the past 12 years of my life. And, you know, 
there are lots of ups and downs to being independently employed and being an independent contractor and not necessarily knowing where your next you know buck is going to come from or how much that payload is going to be but mm-hmm. at the same time yeah this stuff lights me up like nothing else so yeah i love that um you're also a part of sanctuary virtual strip club do you is are you just in that show or do you run that or i mean i run that show i figured I that show. all right yeah <laughs> <laughs> no, i run that show honey okay. <laughs> yeah sanctuary is a virtual strip club that i started the first week in march um we have not missed the show we've been every thursday every saturday evening um for us coasters it's five to eight it's a little happy hour strip club and for us east coasters it's eight to eleven and um not only was it made to create income for uh out-of-work strippers that could not return to brick and mortar clubs you know, due to covid but it also was created to highlight um the kinds of strippers who don't often get um stage time in brick and mortar clubs you know lgbtq strippers trans strippers strippers of color um strippers of size um, we have some international folks. We have a girl coming in from South Korea, uh, cause there are no strip clubs in South Korea. Um, mm-hmm. and so we have her coming in, we have a girl coming in from Russia. Um, so, you know, where it's very, she's LGBTQ and it's very, very dangerous to be, um, openly LGBTQ in Russia. Yeah. And so we have, a, and of course we have a lot of American girls, <laughs> you know, yeah. and people. Um, but yeah, it's been it's been this like beautiful, you know, I kind of started off as an experiment um, as someone again, who's like straddled both stripping and webcamming and like digital performance. And I was like, okay, I'm going to see if people are into this because of course I patronize cyber clown girls, which I think is like probably the most like famous, at least in like SoCal um, mm-hmm. kind of virtual uh, strip club going on right now. And mm-hmm. I love their shows. I loved going to uh, Jumbo's Clown Room when I would come to LA every time. And there's so much talent there. Um, But it's very much like a lot of digital shows are, you know, here's a performance. Okay, cool. Performance is done. Here's another performance. Performance is done. Here's another performance. Performance is done. And this strip club is definitely for the kind of dancer who loves, like loves what they do, loves talking to people, loves interacting with clients and customers. Um, you know, wants to like form that kind of like connective bond and relationship. And so, you know, each dancer, we have four dancers every show and um, I perform in every show because, (laughs) because I'm the proprietor. Um, And, uh, and also it's been filling a huge um, financial gap for me that uh, I encountered, you know, when the clubs closed in March and, um, and then we each get 15 minute sets per hour and we get to dance at least, you know, one song, um, sometimes two or three, depending on our moods. And we get to talk to people. Um, we do POV lap dances. People can buy us shots. They can request their favorite music. Like, so we're, it's yeah, really it. a lot about engagement. Totally. And yeah. So it's a lot of like, it's a lot of queers, um, which is amazing. Uh, Cause also queer people don't really feel comfortable a lot of times going into like very heteronormative clubs because they're afraid of like, people not be letting them in or like, you know, people like customers asking them like rude questions, the girls ignoring them. And so they get to come and hang and party. And uh, also like people who are just really lonely for, you know, social engagement that maybe have been like solo quarantining or stuff like that. And they want to like talk as well as, you know, watch something. Um, And yeah, it's pretty great. Yeah. yeah, (laughs) I'm like, do you want to dance? (laughs) 
I would love to. Yeah, it sounds really interesting. And I noticed also uh, so many things to say to you about, okay, first, first, I want to talk about um, what you're saying about the engagement and the, the POV lap dances in it. It's reminding me of a conversation that I've been having, and this will be the second time now that I'm talking about it on this on podcast, but that like the intimacy of our job is just gone now. Like the intimacy that we, we, we had like access to hours and hours of personal intimacy from um, regulars or even new people were, you know, as strippers, like that's part of our job is to be flirting and to be like next to people. And then it was just kind of taken away. And so it kind of sounds like what you're recreating is sort of that type of environment and feel, which we're all desperately yeah. missing. Yeah, absolutely. Because you gr- bring up a great point. I've been talking about like the benefit to like the customers and like the, the patrons, right. You come in, but there's also a huge benefit to the dancers because you're right. Like I, you know, when March rolled around, I stopped seeing domination clients for three and a half months and I stopped stripping at, I mean, we actually reopened. So I actually went back to work at a real, at a real club for mm-hmm. a month and then we just shut down again. Yeah. Um, but you know, I, I realized it was the longest time I'd spent not doing sex work, not doing in-person sex work. And yeah, that leaves a financial void in your life, but it also leaves like an emotional void in your life. Because like you said, you know, even though work is work and we have very defined, each of us has very defined boundaries around like our work and like how much of our real selves we're going to give to it. There is so much, like, I love meeting new people. I love hearing like opinions and beliefs and experiences that like I never, ever would have learned about if I had not been a stripper in a strip club talking to this person. And I feel like my worldview and my outlook on life is like really enriched by that and yeah. I just missed my I missed my customers. I miss my customers. Yeah. I miss my clients. I really did. Like I, I love and appreciate them so much. And um and I was depressed, you know, that I wasn't yeah. able to like keep doing this work in the way that I have been for twelve years. I mean Jesus Christ. So yeah, yeah. it's it's real. Yeah. Like I miss all my boyfriends and my girlfriends. Yes. Like and my couples. Yes. <laughs> I miss being in the dressing room with naked chicks laughing and smoking weed. And I miss, you know, like there's so much to the job, to that work. That's that even I think I took for granted until recently. And and I'm just walking around my house these days going, I just love people. I just, I love people. (laughs) Cause I just want to be around energy and people and, um, we're all missing that. I just imagine you like sitting at a window, like staring wistfully out a window and like Caroline's just like, what are you thinking about? And you're like, I just love people so much. (laughs) People. Uh. (laughs) yeah I definitely miss the intimacy with randos I definitely Mm -hmm. and it's so funny because I just never would have expected to say that until like oh wait that's what's been missing that's why I'm like I'm ready for a real boyfriend now (laughs) it's like bitch because you're not stripping that's why yeah we all have different intimacy needs right I'm not fed the intimacy that I normally was Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Exactly. A lot of people feel that way right now. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Have you heard of this new, it's not new. Have you, do you understand this? Um, being turned on and orgasming at the thought of being handed money for sex. Okay. So I, 
So the other night I was, so yes. And the other night I was, um, I was like home from bouncing around to different clubs. I literally just bounced around to like three different clubs in like one evening over 10 hours and just like made a bunch of money. And then like two days ago, I'm like, you know, I'm, I have my spread. I have my lady at the bank who takes care of me. I bring like my banded ones and everything. And my partner like walks into the room and just like looks at like this huge table of money and is like, I am so fucking wet right now. Can I help you count that? And I was like, yes, you can. And we just like, sat there and we're just like, like, because <laughs> I don't know about you, I also, it's like, not only do I miss everything about the clubs that, like, we've already talked about, right? But I yeah. literally, I'm such a filthy human sometimes. I just love, I miss the feeling of money on my skin. Like, digital money is great. Love my Venmo. I love know. my cash it's app. Love hearing the little, exactly. But it's not the same as when someone just throws, like, a bunch of money and you just feel it like little butterflies. Yeah. Just, like, landing on you. And then you're, like, rolling around in it. And you're, like, yes, I'm that bitch. Like, that's, like, yeah. what I really miss. And so, yeah. Um, so, yeah, I completely understand <laughs> there has to be a word for that right there's a word I, I feel like I should know it but I don't there has to be a word for like being turned on by money well my um, friend I don't know if I'm allowed to say the word so I'm gonna wait and but she came up with a word I don't want to say it because she bought a URL I think and I don't, I don't know if she bought it or not yet I don't want anyone to I don't want to make it public but there is an okay. word for that coming soon. But that lately when I'm like masturbating or whatever, cause I'm clearly not having sex right now. Um, I'm like <laughs> flashes through my head or like make pictures of it raining on me or like literally just rolling around in it or like literally someone handing it to me after I've done something like all kinds of shit, you know? And I'm like, Oh yeah. Money. <laughs> yes. Oh my but God, not so just hot. money. Money for sex or sex work or being sexy, yep. like money for, yeah. And, and it's never, it's only happened in the last few months. <laughs> it's amazing what quarantine is doing to all of our like libidos and desires, right? <laughs> it's like, I feel like I spent the first like month and a half, like sex, what sex? I have so many bigger things to worry about. Like oh, survival. Yeah. How am I going to survive? These like for these months, you know, and also I'm like trying to buy a house. I'm like, this is terrible. And then like <laughs> the like more secure or like stable that I get, like the more like my like, desire comes back. So like lately I've been like, okay, like now I'm fucking feeling it. And I'm starting to like figure out some new things that like turn me on that didn't before mm. and I think that's really awesome it's not it's not money I have not I will say I've not masturbated to money although <laughs> I fully support your masturbation practices thank you and I'm super happy for you um but yeah I don't know I just feel like um I'm really excited, like, from a nerdy perspective, I'm really excited for, like, five, ten years from now when, like, all of these research studies come out on, like, the long-term psychological and emotional effects of being in quarantine, of, of people, like, going through this in our country, um, including on, like, their sexualities, uh, because I will just, like, pour over that shit. I also went to school for psych, so, like, I'm a little bit of a psych nerd, but... Okay. Um, 
but yeah, I will like pour over that stuff because that, that's like what gets me, you know, what gets me hot research studies <laughs> about human behavior as it pertains to uh, sexual output. So okay. um, yeah, it's just, I think that this whole thing is doing things to our psyches and to, um, you know, to our bodies and to our behaviors that we are like not eating in a recognize or be able to put a finger on it or have the language for for years and I think that's wild yeah wow I'm so fascinated by (laughs) all the stuff in your brain so the next time it's safe to get on a plane I'm coming out to Cali that's like my I have like all these southwest points that are just waiting so I'm gonna come out to Cali and we can all have like of an in-person hangout we could yeah fucking rock yes spit roast into their brains or something i love it yes i love it (laughs) want to be fabulous just like these strippers pay attention it's stripper tips in terms of cleaning your outfits, somebody once told me, I wish I could remember their name so I can properly credit them, but somebody once told me to put a um, solution of 50% vodka and 50% water into a spray bottle and to hang your stripper outfits and spray them down with the water vodka solution. And that like cleans and sterilizes them. And then when they're dry, you can just grab them and it's like um, an easier way and quicker way than like having to like continuously run them through the wash because we all know also with delicates, like the washer, does terrible things to our clothes um so yeah so that's my little stripper tip vodka water spray it on let it dry your stripper outfits are fresh and clean you can throw them back in the bag <laughs> i love that has I anybody ever that. said that before nope because the other thing was you were like give me a stripper tip and i'm like but like all these strippers have gone before me what if i just end up saying like a list of like stuff that <laughs> they've already mentioned and so i'm like oh fuck yeah um it's well because some of the tips are also meant for civilians and so they're not all mm. just stripper tips but and, oh, yeah okay and That's cool. um but they are some are just for strippers and so i'm glad that we're having this conversation though so that we can fully explain to our audience this segment but also like, <laughs> it's, it's good because um people also have different interpretations of the same tip and then so listeners hear it differently and so what might fall on deaf ears originally for the same tip might actually resonate with someone later in a different way. So I'm down for repeats and whatever, you know, but no, that is a new one. Get ready for our rapid fire question round. It's time for four for one. Oh man, that's, this is not a good question for you. I already know the answer. Okay, here we go. (laughs) (laughs) Do you bring your vibrator to bed with a partner? Absolutely. And if you can't because your partner won't let you or is intimidated by your toy, then I always advocate for choosing the toy over the partner. (laughs) The toy over the partner. Amazing. Yep. All right. Next. Do you own up to a fart or just hope no one notices? I don't fart unless I'm asleep. This is a true story. I am I'm a type A personality. No, I, oh my God, I wish my partner was in the house right now. I swear to fucking God. I like, I can't burp. I can't, I have never burped in my life. I mean, when I was a baby, maybe, but like in my adult life. And I don't like actively fart. If I did, I totally own up to it. But apparently the only time I'm truly relaxed is when I'm asleep and everybody who sleeps with me lets me know that I let him rip in the middle of the night. Oh. So. hilarious this is my favorite four for one ever okay 
Next one. Would you rather have permanent Cheeto fingers or have permanent Vaseline on your toes? Permanent Vaseline on my toes. Okay. Yep. I can always put socks on. <laughs> That's true. I'm looking at my hands imagining. Um, last one. If someone's making you a birthday cake of your dreams, what does that look like for you? um that would look like I've been in a red velvet like mode for a while so I would say some kind of like red velvet cake with like maybe like half an ice cream cake like it's ice cream in the middle but then it's like red velvet cake and then like the cream cheese icing and like I'm all about that shit you're killing it (laughs) it. so good I want that cake yeah. Also, snack time for me right now. So um, yeah, I know we're talking about food. I'm like, shit. I need to eat lunch. Like, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, let's make sure that we tell everyone how they can find out more about you and follow you and learn about. Like, where can they learn from you from? Tell everybody everything. Absolutely. So, um, if you are interested in non-monogamy or open or polyamorous relationships, I run a weekly, uh, polyamorous advice column called I am polyamorous and so can you. And so you can like submit your questions to be answered. You can um, apply to be a paid guest columnist on the site and you can also skim through like the three and a half years, I think at this point of archives for free on my website, which is impoly.net. That's I-A-M-P-O-L-Y.net. And you can also find out information about booking me for educational um, experiences, like digital trainings, cultural competency trainings um, around sex work, especially if maybe you work for an organization or a business that you really wish was more sex work savvy and you could be like, I'm going to put you in contact with this trainer to do like a staff thing. Um, That would be really cool. And I also teach a lot about pleasure and sexual safety and sexual skill sets and stuff like that. Um, I also do intimacy coaching and consultation work. And I do a lot of work with people who are entering the sex industry, as well as people who are exiting the industry and trying to transition back into like a traditional workforce. So all of that can be at that website. And then um, my virtual strip club is sanctuarytheclub.com. So if you are interested in either attending a show, um, admission is always $5 and we do not turn anybody away for lack of funds. Or if you're interested in performing for Sanctuary, you can go to the website and check all that stuff out. And then I am Andre Shakti on pretty much every social media platform. I am Andre Shakti on Twitter, Andre Shakti on Instagram, uh, Andre Shakti on Facebook. Um, so feel free to hit me up. I just can't accept any more Facebook friends because I hit the limit. And I'm sorry. I still love you. <laughs> You're so popular. <laughs> oh, gosh. Yeah. Uh- <laughs> Um, amazing. Is there anything that you wanted to say that you feel like we didn't talk about today? Was there anything like really pressing that, or that was important to you? How about the fact that this entire thing has been so surreal for me because you are a spitting image of like a spitting fan image of my ex-girlfriend who also lives in Los Angeles. Talking to you this entire time has been like so weird totally different personalities but you're like the okay. stripper version of this person I was with for like three years and used to go to jumbos with all the time and have fun. Um, and it's um, crazy you're both yeah. badass babes like thanks yeah I love doppelgangers I've yeah. heard this yep. before I think that they're 
I wonder if she's that the same doppelganger because I've heard before that like I feel like it might ask Caroline. Ask Caroline. I will. <laughs> I will ask her. Perfect. Yeah, no, this has been an absolute delight. I love that this is something that you've created and that you're putting out into the world. And I think it's I think a lot of people have such negative um, opinions of sex workers truly just out of ignorance. They haven't yeah. they don't know where to get information about what sex work is, you know, what's respectful, what's not, what's ethical, what's not, what's consensual, what's not. And yeah. I think that like the more we can demystify this industry and the more like approachable and accessible we seem like the more normalized it's going to end up being so i I love that you have this platform thank you thank (laughs) you and i love to be able to have amazing guests like you on and to like introduce you to more people because what you're doing is so incredibly amazing important wonderful and like you said god's work i also believe sex work is god's work (laughs) Thank you. If you text me your address, by the way, I would love, I'll send you like two of these guys. Please do. Yes, I would love it. And (laughs) and thank you for creating the perfect segue for me to give a shout out to the shirt that I'm wearing today, which if you're not watching YouTube, you can't see (gasps) it. Uh, I'm wearing a black girl's shirt, a black girl's pole shirt. This is one of my favorite shirts in my dresser. I've had it for years and I've been a huge supporter of Black Girls Poll from its inception. Um, and I was very good friends with its founder, Elijah Franklin, who actually was my roommate for a short period of time. So um, if you're not following Black Girls Poll, please go ahead and do that. And if you have a shirt that you want me to wear on air and give you a shout out, then DM me and we'll make that happen. And yes, Andre, I want to wear your freaking shirts. Look at that. I didn't even know you did that. I was just like, I'll send you one because you liked it. But yeah, yeah that, I also love Black Girls Poll. I cannot stay off of their Instagram. So yeah. I'm so glad. That's a great rep. Yeah, perfect. Well, thank you again so much for joining me. And thank you to everyone else out there for tuning in every Wednesday. This is Yes, a Stripper podcast. Bye. We're now accepting four-for-one submissions from our listeners. You can send them in via Instagram at Yes, a Stripper podcast or on Twitter at Yes, a Stripper pod. Make sure to follow all the things and email any questions or concerns to Yes, a Stripper podcast at gmail.com. Tune in every Wednesday. See you soon.